Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Hey everyone, you're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This week's special guest is Hilary McBride, trusted therapist, author, and researcher. In this Human Human Conversation, y'all, Hillary and I throw all of our cards on the table. We talked about honoring the voice of our bodies, the trap of shaming ourselves into transformation, and practical affirming habits that lead us into liberation. I also think I cried. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But it was incredible. I mean, having Hillary really talk through this with me, I feel like it was helpful for me, and I know it's going to be helpful for you. Before each episode, I leave a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist and a book to check out. I also share a reflection question that was based on something sparked in this episode. And like I said, you're just going to enjoy it. So this question, although it is going to be hard, you're going to understand why it's necessary. Okay, so first the song is Surrender by Natalie Taylor. This week's read is The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And the reflection question is, how can I love myself more? <sighs> Let's deep breath. Okay, now, don't hesitate to leave your response in the comments or at stacyag.com. It's time to get into the conversation. So I just wanted to say that you have already struck me as such a beautiful human, and I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. What a, a warm introduction. I'm so grateful to be here with you too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, I had this whole plan of what we were going to talk about and then um, it kind of switched and then, and then it kind of switched because yesterday I posted something on Instagram and a friend of mine called me today and she was like, Oh my God, what you posted was so deep, was so good. And I was like, Hey girl, love you so much. Got to prepare for this interview for human to human. And she was like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to a therapist? We need to talk to therapists. And I would go, Mm. I am. And so I, I reframe of like, this would just be something great to bring up in this conversation to see where it goes. Um, I definitely have our topics as well, but I think it's going to strike us both as something really interesting to dive into. So I'm going to start with that. Oh yeah. Yesterday I posted this, it was from another, um, from, from, you know, a content creator. And she said, one day we need to seriously talk about the fact that productivity, she put in quotes, Mm. being busy and constantly doing something is a symptom of high functioning anxiety, as well as an unwell coping mechanism of trauma. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I just oh yeah that lands okay. <laughs> it's like, I, I sat yeah. with it for a sec, uh-huh. and I sat and I sat and then I posted it like two in the morning, and I wake up to comments and conversations and text messages of like mm-hmm. this shit's got to stop. I'm over it. When are we done with this train? The rat race is tiring. I was mm-hmm. up at two a.m. doing the rat race as we speak. It was crazy. And that was this morning. And so oh. I kind of was sitting with the notes that I had before I posted it because I did post a caption as well. And I wrote, um, our worth is not our work. Sleep yeah. when you die, no pain, no gain, no job, no purpose. It's all a trap. I've been actively working to detach these things, these web of lives all year. We have been been boozled, but the truth of healing, grace, love, and forgiveness will set us free. Mm. So that was my interpretation of it while still realizing that even though intellectually understand it, actualizing it is so difficult. That's where I felt like so many people were truly speaking and relating because we all know, right? That be- we know, like, <laughs> we don't want all just being, we know, but I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. as someone who also knows 
what is the practice that you have, if you are still practicing it or mastered it or feel like it's a constant thing of the actualization of not looking for our work to be our worth? Beautiful. Yeah. What, what an important question when we're also situating in quarantine, because I'm not sure if you saw this rhetoric pop up when everybody went into shelter in place, but there was this idea that, no, let's be as productive as possible. Let's actually do more than we were even doing before. And it seems like there's this gas and brake that's getting pushed at the same time in this cultural moment that we're in, where we are also feeling like, oh, I'm, feel, I'm, I'm more tired, I have fewer resources, I'm feeling this motivational drag, and also I'm getting these messages constantly to do even more, and I feel like I have to because when will I ever have this much free time? And I think your question is so important in the, in the broader kind of story that we're telling about what's happening in the way that we cope with our distress, but even more poignant based on what's happening with our response to this, these gaps in our schedule that have been created when all our plans got disrupted. So I'm just, I'm wanting to say yes and amen to the question and the tension and all of that. And I hear, I hear so much complexity in what you're saying, because I think, I think about how the seasons of my life have allowed me to interact with busyness in different ways. And I have definitely seen what it is like to use accomplishment and use a full schedule as a way to run with what happens when those things are not there and I have to encounter myself. But I've also seen what it's like to have motivation that just feels like it's spewing out of me. And I'm sure you've probably had the experiences of being in flow state where you're like, I, I don't even want to stop this because I am on a roll with something and it feels so good to be in flow, like creativity is coming out of my ears. And so what we have to do whenever we're looking at the human is, is explore with less of a black and white lens that I think we're prone to, because it's really easy to move into the, into the critique of performance and the critique of high achievement and constant busyness with a judgment that actually doesn't fuel the sense of inner worth that we need. If we are going to have conversations about inner worth and this kind of secure sense of self that needs to form underneath all the busyness, we can't get there by judging or shaming ourselves out of the high achievement. So we actually have to add another element in this conversation, which is how do we compassionately attune to ourselves? How do we get curious? How do we investigate why these patterns are so deeply entrenched in our lives? And whenever there is something that's happening for you and it's resonating with all of these people who are seeing your post, my guess is that it's kind of a you thing and kind of a me thing, but also a cultural thing. And so whenever we're exploring our inner patterns, we're really neglecting the kind of the soil that our dysfunction is growing in if we're also not looking at what our culture rewards and the stories that we're told from the time we're young and how all of that intersects into these moments to keep everything stuck in place. That's crazy. That curiosity you talk about, mm. and, and you just really hit on the nuance of humanity, of who right. we And it's, sometimes it's really hard to just remember we're not just this post of like, oh my God, I knew that was me. And it's a, like, because I mean, right. seriously, went to like, forget it. Because I saw it at 2 a.m. people, which means I was also up. That's right. You know, and so yeah. I kept sleeping and I was like, no, I got to get some work done, whatever. And so, but I also am learning myself more and realize that that just was a better time for me to get the work done. The point is, right. the nuance of that and the curiosity, I want to ask about that, that process because mm-hmm. in the curiosity, a lot of that means you're, you have to sit with it. Right. And I'm ill to the sitting, you know, love it, but also, ouch. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's like, are we sitting for a certain amount of time? When we're sitting, what are we looking at? What are we Mm -hmm. asking? How are we going from sitting to standing tall again? And then knowing, ooh, I get to sit back. Like, that's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a dance. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I think... Again, I want us to zoom out because whenever we're looking at a specific moment in time, let's take your 2 a.m. 
what we might call a come to Jesus moment. You're like, okay, <laughs> there's a problem here. <laughs> ah, and it's all like really landing. I mean, I've definitely had those moments. We, we, it's hard to hold the complexity in that specific moment. It's really easy to get into the black and white. So when we zoom out, it's often easier to access compassion and curiosity because we can say, well, what's the trajectory of my life and what's the arc that I want to take? And instead of trying to do everything perfectly in this moment, including perfectly putting myself to bed or perfectly achieving or perfectly, you know, beating myself up to shame myself into resting more, which we're like, what? That's not really congruent with the kind of spirit behind the resting. We also have to ask ourselves, is there a trend that I could create in my life? And maybe that creates just a bit more space that we don't have to do this shift perfectly right now. We can open ourselves up to the possibility that who we are in a year from now will look a certain percentage different. And maybe that's enough. Like maybe, maybe it's not even about whether I'm resting more and being less productive to earn my self-worth, but maybe it's more about the quality of my self-talk when I know. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Notice that I am up till two or five in the morning, or I feel like I'm taking on that next thing. So some invitations to reflect on the inner dialogue might sound like, well, when you notice that you're up late or when you're doing so much or there's no room in your schedule, how do you talk to yourself about that? And is it, is it compassionate? Like, oh, there I am doing that again. Like, what is going on for me? Or is it like bad, you know, bad me, you know, where we're shaming ourselves to try to create change. Because again, I really want to hammer this home. If we are trying to establish a secure sense of self that prevents us from needing to work so much to earn our worth, we will never get to that secure sense of self if we are shaming ourselves into rest, if we are shaming or judging ourselves into transformation. It's like the mechanism by which we change is also the medicine that we need. It's not just this final product. And so being able to notice the things about our, let's just say schedule, if we notice our schedule and we go, oh, that's kind of incongruent, like with the things that I believe, or like, that's a problem. I'm not paying attention to my bodily rhythms that say I'm tired or say I'm hungry or say I'm full or say I, I need movement. Okay, I need to create some space. I need to pull some things apart, but can I be gentle with myself as I do that and say, oh, honey, you're doing your very best. You're doing your very best. And so let's, let's acknowledge that, that thing that you're doing probably kept you alive right. or it probably got you love. And so it's so deeply entrenched in you and we're going to pull ourselves apart from, and that's going to be hard. And I'm going to do the entire thing with you as if you were talking to the part of you that needs to keep doing and moving, but you are saying to her or to him or them, what, what you would say to a friend who you saw was like running themselves into the ground. Like, Oh yeah. You, look at how hard you're working. This is so beautiful. And can see it's hurting you and let's do something different let's see how it goes and we'll do it together the hardest part about that and I, I love again like you introduced the nuance of our relationship with ourselves the complicated complex deep relationship with ourselves mm -hmm. but in that you meant made a beautiful point about some of this stuff has gotten us love before some of it uh -huh. has gotten us it's gotten us worthy. It's gotten yeah. us picked first, last, whatever. It's gotten us paid in some circumstances. Mm -hmm. And again, culturally, there is absolutely a shift. We feel it. We feel it deeply. And, you know, a show like this, human to human, whether it has been intrinsically in my being, but it always was like, I'll have to do that after I do all this other stuff. Because yeah. this other stuff, will finally yeah. let me be, you know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. with that, as our true, as, as our reality in a lot of cases, because we do live in this space of social media and, and social media becoming and being fake currency, in my opinion, how do we deal with that part of the relationship? If we say, hey, let me take a step back and examine and I lose a job in the process, mm -hmm. or let me take a step, maybe take a week off, let me take a month off and I become unnoticed or forgotten. Right. 
Yeah. These are the things we worry and struggle about as humans. And it scares me because I have, I've taken several steps back and I also had to tell myself sometimes I'm lying, sometimes I'm not. And I say, I don't care that nobody remembers that I, whatever. Some days I'm like, I really do care. And I can't believe I lost that job. Truly. Right. You know, yeah. like, yeah. wow, y'all forgot about me. I took a week off, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy. And then sometimes you're like, no, I think that was worth it. Mm. Well, that balance alone is very difficult, but, but just knowing that some of the consequences that come with choosing yourself. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to point out something in the logic mm-hmm. that's flawed that yeah. we often use when our anxiety is driving our decision-making. And that is we, we do these catastrophizations of the worst case scenario and assume that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we also catastrophize the lengths that we have to go to, to experience change. And so let's pull it all the way back. And instead of a week off or a month off, let's say, what would it be like to begin your day mindfully? Mm. What would it be like when you feel hungry to feed yourself? What would it be like when you feel tired, even if you're in the middle of something and you can't put the job down, you say, oh, I've worked hard today. And my body's telling the truth about everything I've done. And so maybe taking a month off or a week off actually would create the consequences that, you know, would really damage the, our ability to move freely in the world or meet our needs or meet the needs of the one, the people that we love. And sometimes it wouldn't. And that's just a catastrophic thought and that people would be okay and we'd be okay. But if it feels like we have to go to these exaggerated lengths of like, that's the worst case scenario, then why don't we start with something that doesn't incite so much fear in us? Something that doesn't feel like it's going to risk everything. And that might be, like I'm saying, having these microscopic moments inserted into the day. So instead of actually taking work away, thinking about what can we add first, it's almost like we're using our productivity to hack the productivity. Like I can, I can add another thing. I know how to do that. I'm going to be a good human and engage in my mindfulness practice or like my, you know, my really like savoring of whatever I'm eating for breakfast. And we're adding something in that actually just starts to take up a little bit more space and brings us back into relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we can do this conversation of renegotiating our relationship with productivity without also asking the question that's underneath the question you asked, which is, when did I need this? How did I learn that I needed this behavior? And can can I explore, can I do some inquiry on the inside of me, or maybe with the support of somebody else to ask, who are the people that hold this message inside or this way of being in place? What were the stories? When did I learn it? What did it cost me when I didn't do this? Mm-hmm. And what would it be like to go back and retrieve that part of myself who was young, who was just starting out, who was hurt and bring her into the present to let her know I've got her and we're not there anymore. And the things that we needed then to survive, we don't need to survive right now. Oh yeah. That's that's so special. And it is hmm. it's so deep to the the end of the statement, which said, you know, that being busy is a high level of anxiety. And I I really just and so they have that sentence, and then the second sentence was an uncoped trauma or, or unrevealed. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to separate those two and add it into this conversation, mm-hmm. especially, well, not especially because eat both, but with anxiety, sometimes we think that's also related to fear. And I know mm-hmm. that there are different things. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about anxiety being a part of why we decide to be high level people, because it, it's, it's strange, right? Like you're a productive person, which means you're probably a super anxious person. Like that's very, that's a sad story. I'm like, I don't like that story. I'm not going to believe that I'm, I'm a hard worker. That's what I want to report. Uh, yeah. But we got to get real with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Is, is it more about anxiety or did we, and, and have we used hard worker to mask that? Mm-hmm. And how has that, you know, showed up in your life? And now mm-hmm. we're truly are saying like, personally, this is what I think it is because I've watched it happen in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm feeling the narrative, my own story, and also the story of someone, uh, someone close to me. There's a, um, I think whenever we get into the human, again, human to human, the human experience, we lose the categories 
that define us and that make it easier to be in judgment about ourselves or other people. When we really get into the story, we're like, Oh, it all, it all actually makes sense. But I have, I have someone close to me in my life who had a high degree of conflict in their home growing up. And when this person experienced the conflict with their family members, they would retreat to their room to engage in art. Mm -hmm. And that art was like, their savior in a way like it was the tool that allowed them to process and make sense and create and move things through them but it also was this strategy that you know kind of kept them away from understanding how to resolve conflict and it seems like this person often has the tendency to withdraw when things are hard but is also deeply interwoven with their creativity and so when i look at that person and say your credit productivity or sorry your your creativity is your wound. And so therefore you shouldn't do art anymore because it came out of a way that you coped like never, like this is one of the most beautiful things about this person. And yet it's embroiled in the coping and the survival. So I think when we look at our coping strategies, really what we're trying to ask is not, is this good or bad, but is it hurting me more than it's helping? And does it also come with meaning and does it make more beauty in my life or does it help me become more of who I am? And just, does it tell me where I've been and what I've been through or is it actually impaired? When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous, but that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim. Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Bring my ability to be in my life. And I have certainly felt these experiences of doing a lot um, and having a huge amount of meaning returned to me because of it. So there's a season in my life, I think 20, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I was in two really serious car accidents back to back. And I was also at the, the end of my doctoral program. And so I'm in school, I'm in a ton of pain. I'm trying to manage my head injury. I'm trying to manage all the physical pain in my rehab of the accidents. And what I really needed to do was rest. But it felt like as soon as I stepped into the state of stillness or rest, I didn't know how to manage the grief of what I had been through. So for me, it felt more like grief. And so what I would do is I would engage in all of these side projects because what they did was they returned me to a sense of meaning that fueled my ability to keep going with the things that I had to keep going with. It was almost like doing more gave me access to meaning. And the meaning gave me the motivation to do the things that had to get done so I could finish school and do my rehab. And so even when I look at that, like think about, again, this person I was mentioning with the, the artistry and the coping and the, the self-isolation, can we ever pull apart a person from the way they've coped and their pain and their strength? Like, I don't, I don't know that we can, but we can be curious about that and we can ask, is it hurting more than it's helping? And do I have other ways of being? And that's my preferred question at the moment is, do I have the option to not do this? Because if I don't have the option to not do this, I'm not choosing it. Right. If I cannot say no, I'm not actually saying yes. Right. Your yes only means something if you also have the option to know, to say no. So if there is the room to slow down. Wait, repeat that, Hillary. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> we gotta... <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that, yeah. If you cannot say no, your yes is meaningless. If you do not have the option to say no, then you're not ever actually saying yes. So if we apply that to the way that we structure our lives, if we don't have other ways to be with our pain, that's not actually us choosing. That's not actually us with agency and autonomy and congruence moving towards that. But if we have the option not to, and we've thought through it, and we're still choosing what looks like coping, I think that there is so much more power in that. And that's taking us closer to being whole in a way. When you talk about wholeness or even mm -hmm. like even bringing us there, this is the part that 
now I want to expand because we've talked so much about the relationship with us. And I think that okay. is, I have learned that it is one of the most important relationships. I think I've been saying it for a long time, mm -hmm. but the actualization of, of everything is a whole nother process, right? Mm -hmm. So what has been really interesting about that is as I sit in the beauty of like getting to know myself and learning mm. myself and feeling all the feels, I still think about how I have to walk outside and meet all these other yeah. people. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want, y'all are messing up myself thing right. where I'm doing all this work. And I see my, you know, we're all doing all this work on our own and then we got to still go back outside. Like it's crazy. Cause there was a time that we were begging to go back outside. Right. And mm -hmm. then this personally for me, I remember around July, I was like, or maybe June, I was like, I don't want to go back outside right now because no. I really like what's happening inside. It was scary and hard and painful. It just was a big part of it, to be very honest with you. It's beautiful. But then I think about how we're all trying to do this work and this, this self-worthiness. And then we walk outside and people say like, hey, that's cute. But no, because mm. the job still matters to the person with the following. And the job still matters to the person who chose the overproduction or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, you know, and some days we think about how we make choices to say, okay, well then it, what's for me is for me, right. but we all have egos and feelings yeah. and thoughts. And we want to feel validated that our work, that the one we think is important is also important to other people. Mm -hmm. So even as you, um, and thank you so much for sharing the stories about your accidents. I really mm -hmm. am so grateful you're here because thank you. couldn't have been easy experiences and Wow, just really grateful because I know that I did read a little bit about your accident, the second one specifically, and I just, I think it, everything your body did, most bodies would do. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to like sit with. Oh, you thank now. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, you. But yeah, to even expand, even your practice, yeah, self, your body, mm -hmm. and walking outside to other bodies who say like, mm -hmm. hey, that's cool, but not not our version of cool. Mm -hmm. And we're all mm -hmm. doing. We're all trying to do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the imagery of the cocoon and that comes to mind when I'm thinking about you and what you've been through and what so many of us have experienced, what I've experienced too, and the way that life has changed over the last several months, mm -hmm. what it means to go inside. And there's, it's not that nothing's happening. So much is happening. We're actually being transformed. But if you, I'm sure you've heard these stories about if you cut the cocoon open before the butterfly is ready, it, it doesn't actually right? It doesn't have the strength to use its wings to fly, that there's actually something important about the struggle on the inside. And so I want to just name that there are times when we need the protection, when we need the space, and we need to create that for ourselves, either by having fewer people around or by having the right people around who know how to hold us. Yeah. And that we are judicious about so sorry. Okay. It's oh, like it's okay. my computer and my phone. Okay. I turn it off and I don't know how. Oh, that's okay. As long as you're okay. It sounded a little bit like a fire alarm for a second. Yeah. I'm like, how do I so know? if we are judicious about who gets access to us, then we can have the room and the space to rediscover the self on the inside. Because as much as we like to think about ourselves as an individual, it's really a, a product of colonization to believe that the self is distinct from the people around them. So this is actually quite a, a kind of a novel idea in the history of being human that you would see that any of us would see ourselves as individuals that exist separate from each other. And to see mm -hmm. um, the self as the primary focal point of life, as opposed to the interconnectedness and the needs of the, the shared needs around us as the focus of life. So we have to remember that our self, as our brains have been wired to develop, our self develops in the context of relationship. And at some point when we are doing repair on the self, we need to be super careful about the kinds of relationships that we let speak into that inner place on the inside of us. And we do for a time need to control that. And in fact, even when we come out of the cocoon, when we have more space and more freedom and, and strength to interact with the people around us, we still get to decide who speaks into the very core of who I am. Who are the people who have earned the right to do that? And perhaps we make a list of them. Perhaps we know that in our mind, like there's these five people or these two people and they've earned that because they've let me speak into their life and we've had time together and they can hold my stuff and they know the truth about me and they can always... Um, see my good and ask me to invite myself to grow more. Like when we have these people in our life, 
then it invites us to go out into the world to come back to a place where we can land and say, is that true about me or is that not true about me? And when we are deconstructing the idea of the individual, we can also think about how our self is split up between all these different roles that we have. So this is called role enhancement theory. And the idea behind role enhancement theory is that when we have our identity in multiple places at the same time, if one of them feels uneasy, then all of the stability to our self-structure comes from knowing that the other roles are stable. So for example, if work does not go well, but your sense of identity is also in this friendship you have, in your partnership, in being a member of your family, in you know, a member of your community, your faith community, your social community, a social movement that you're a part of, what we can do is we can remind ourselves, okay, that is uneasy over there, but look at all of the other parts of me that make up who I am. And can I set deep roots into all of these different areas so that I actually have more courage to play with some of the things that have defined me too much, like perhaps productivity at work. And in that way, if I do lose the job, I mean, aside from if it puts someone into a major financial tailspin, you could say, ouch, but also I'm still intact yeah. and my community is still here. And my selfness is spread among these circles of people who love me. Mm-hmm. And in that, I find my worth, not just what someone who doesn't have the right to speak into me says about the job that I did, or if I posted or not. Wow. Man, there is going, that is such a process to internalize. Mm. Because even yes, that is like the 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 intellect behind that feels so clear. Mm. It's like mm. you literally you don't have the right. You can't come over here. That's not that makes sense. You know, I'm still yeah. alive. I'm still breathing. I'm still moving. I'm I'm still intact, yeah. as you said. And and I- if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I guess the the part of it that I do believe is a current struggle is that the people who don't have the right to speak into your life somehow still have, you know, some kind of like arm's length Mm -hmm. right to to say something that's still, the speck will affect you in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, how did the speck affect me? Like I was over here and I, you know, whatever, because we... we we really are, like you said, it is such a shared experience between us. Yet, yeah. when you f- when you feel like you're only as good as your last job, you're only as good as your mm-hmm. last your last gig, your last session, your last podcast, mm-hmm. whatever it is, that seeps in. I believe sometimes when mm-hmm. you're you're looking at the other places you're worthy, and you say this mm-hmm. feels enough, but you know yeah. that that, that oh, there's a skill. Ooh, let's talk about, skill in there. let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, because I think I think at some point we have to be in stewardship of the way that we tell the story about this. And we have to decide at some point and right. we can have people support us to decide and point out the evidence, but we have to say I'm not going to say that but anymore. That that but at the end of the sentence like this is good, but we have to make a commitment to ourselves to say why am I excluding this? Why am I limiting the value that this is having? on my life and saying that it's actually only conditionally valuable. If that is okay over there, that that's actually a way I am harming myself. Mm. It's a way I am excluding myself from the value that I am entitled to. That is the way that I am excluding myself from my birthright, which is to know my worthiness as it is mirrored back to me by the people who know and love me. Mm. I I'm going to do better for myself. And so I think we can use these little language adjustments mm-hmm. to really shift where our attention goes and how much we weigh mm-hmm. these different roles and identities in our life. And so what I would encourage for people to do is notice if you were, if you were actually making, let's just say, let's do this, make a list of the things that define your identity, the roles you have, the communities you are part of, the different identities you hold and go through them. Right. And see if you can hold them in your mind and treasure them. Right. And when your mind says, well, well, that doesn't matter because that is a good moment to say, whoa, 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 what's happening here? I'm actually trying to stay with this and treasure this. 
So mind, don't do that right now. Stay with this thing and see the beauty and see how it is woven itself into my identity and stay here because this matters. And it's one of the roots, root systems that you have that holds you when things feel unstable. So being thoughtful, like, where is my mind going? Am I letting it tell that story that's hurting me or not? And I think what this, this, the kind of the next logical step with this too, is that when the people in our life show us that they love us and they are proud of us, it is our responsibility to take that in. And it is a skill, right? We call this receptive affect in my theoretical framework of psychotherapy. And that is the skill of receiving because most of us, although we struggle with being with feelings and like getting them out can do that better than the like, Oh, you, you feel that about me. Oh, and I'm going to let that be true. Oh, that feels so good. I'm going to take it all the way inside of myself. Like we're just like, yeah, next, like, no, that's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Oh, you're, you're just saying that like we cut people down when they're telling us the truth about our goodness. And then we wonder why we don't feel good about ourselves. It's because we haven't let any of that information that restores us to ourselves go all the way in. And that's our responsibility. You know, what's crazy about that? I used to, tell me, man, this is a, this is definitely a vulnerable moment because I used to pride myself on saying, oh, I don't take compliments to head. I used oh, to say that to be like, yeah. wow. I'm like really just having this moment of thinking oh. how I've said that thinking that I was saying that or, or believing at that time that I was saying that so that I didn't look arrogant or egotistical. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I'm. I have said that so many times. Oh, I am so with you. I'm so with you. Like it felt to me for a long time. And I don't know if this applies to you, but like it was a way to protect myself against the criticism. If I didn't take anything in, then I wouldn't feel the pain of when there was rejection. And I think you layer that on top of, for me, what was a faith community and a social context, which said, do not, do not get too big for your bridges. Like, do not, that's pride. You're going to sin if you take that in, right? And like this, and you're like, but I thought he liked me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's going on? I don't, it doesn't make sense. So the, like the, I'm going to protect myself layered with, you're actually going to get punished and shamed if you do take it in. Those two things create this like one, two punch that makes it really hard for us to learn the skill of receiving affection. And it is a skill. How have you personally stopped waiting for worthiness? Can you say that again? How How have I personally stopped waiting for worthiness? I think to expand on it, what I... What I believe mm-hmm. that we all had to reckon with this year was where our worthiness lied or where our comfortability lied or like you mm-hmm. said, our identities lie. It mm-hmm. is scary to know that a lot of us identify ourselves by a word that we do for work and even tearing apart mm-hmm. for like, well, what I do is who I am kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. a whole other story. As I continue to peel back the layers and dive into what worthiness means, it's very scary to find out worthiness literally just means being alive. Mm-hmm. That, that is still something, whether I was raised in a Christian faith, I know what Jesus did for me, believe in him wholeheartedly. Even with that story, mm-hmm. you forget that just being here makes you worthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we chase and we wait and we ask and we look and we next so many of our things. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know in your journey, oh. how you have stopped waiting for it. Yeah. What a rich question. Thank you. And I think as much as I can give you my best answer today, my hope is that it feels even clearer if you were asking me tomorrow, like I really want to communicate again, this arc of the journey of being human that takes us out of the expectation that we have to know and do it right now. Like if I am so much more aware of my worthiness in a year from now than I am today, I'll be thrilled and a year after that and a year after that. And it, oh, just the, the, the pressure comes off when we remember we don't have to get it right right now, but we are, we are on a journey. There's an arc to our lives. I think a few of the things that have really helped me is that my compassion muscle and my empathy muscle for other people and my deep love and my ability to see other people's worthiness is so strong. Like that is something I don't think I've ever been confused about. Okay. 
And for me, the work was in stitching together myself with those people in a way that I say to myself, I am not different than them. Yeah. In fact, like if I can believe that you are good and you are worthy just because you are, what is happening for me that I've excluded myself from all of these things that are actually just human? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like a logic process. So like a, turning a few dials and going, oh, I know how to love people well. Oh, maybe the same thing I feel for other people is accessible to me. And that has been important. Mm -hmm. um, I think the work of embodiment has really helped me move out of productivity because it makes me pay more attention to the quality of my existence and what it's like to be in myself mm -hmm. and turn my attention towards, again, like I mentioned before, the quality of my self-talk and less about what happens on the outside. And I just spend so much more time being like, oh, that, oh, why did I talk to myself like that? That was like actually not how I think about myself, what's going on. And I'm doing that instead of what's the next post going to be and what, what do I want someone else to know? And because I think we're all connected, my mm -hmm. sense is that like, if I'm doing this work in myself, then I'm probably actually going to have something really beautiful to offer other people. And it won't be because I'm trying to earn it. It'll be because it comes out of the overflow of knowing that I'm okay. So when I, again, stitch those together that I can love someone else, and believe that whatever is true about them is true about me, then I can return to myself and work on my sense of worthiness in a way that actually I think will pour out to other people and have something to offer them. Mm -hmm. And when we see it like this infinity loop that goes around and around and around, that love in any direction that you put it will always be restorative, will always be about returning us to who we are. I think if your strength or anybody's strength, my strength is to love other people, use that as the road in. If you can see other people are worthy, what a great place to start. Yes. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. What was the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? Oh, the last thing I forgave myself for, for the first time. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Yeah, I th I'm stumped on that question for some reason. I think... I think maybe it's because I don't, I don't really forgive myself, but not because I hold myself in judgment, but more because I think my first response now, if something happens that I need to forgive myself for would be, oh, I wonder why that happened and not, oh, you're bad and you need to be released from that. And I forgive you, but more like, oh, what is that behavior telling me about myself? Mm -hmm. And like, oh, I wonder what purpose that served for me to do that. Okay. So like an example of this is like, I've been not sleeping super well this week. And I think it's just because I have a ton of stuff going on in my mind. And I'm like, got these jam packed days. There's all this stuff going on and I'm working right to the end of the day and then expecting myself to rest. And actually it takes a bit of time for me to wind down. And so I had this conversation with myself last night where I realized not only had I been not getting to sleep or not giving myself enough time to rest or to wind down, but that I actually been like keeping myself up, which to me feels kind of like a form of self-harm where I'm exhausted, but I'm keeping myself up, like doing something unproductive, but not also, also not caring for myself, like scrolling on my phone, or I'm like, you know, like thinking about what I need to do three weeks from now. I'm like, what, what is going on for me around that? And so instead of like, I need to forgive myself for harming my body in that way. I think more like what purpose is it serving? 
Mm. Why, what is it doing for me? Like I imagine having a conversation with that part of me that is keeping me up, even though I'm tired. And I imagine saying to her, what, what do you, what are you trying to tell me? And I'm not hearing you. Mm. And so in that conversation, even just last night with this part of myself, I think I was getting to the sense that it feels like I haven't had enough space in my days. Cause these are a few jam packed days. And, and that at the end of the day, it's the way that I'm giving myself that space. And so like, oh, this is just my body telling me, even though I'm tired, I'm actually needing room for creativity. I'm needing room to like waste time and do mindless things because it helps me wind down and I haven't been making that room. And so that behavior was taking care of me in that way. But I don't, yeah, I guess I just don't think about myself as needing to be forgiven in the sense that like I'm bad. (laughs) Girl, that statement? It, it hits every evangelical lie I was ever mm. told. It hits every student's mm. teacher relationship. Like, wow, wow, wow. Like, mm. I don't, oh my God, I don't even know. I have to sit with that. And I hope mm. y'all felt what I just felt. Because I'm like, <laughs> and I, oof, okay. Because I, I, man, I'm, I'm a little stunned by that. I really oof. am. To say that we're good just as good and that it's not about being forgiven it's about being seeing what purpose is still serves to me continuing to be good yeah. that's what you just said yeah. Bro. because i just you know like i did mention i i was raised in a christian faith and there's a mm-hmm. lot of, of those layers being peeled back now and my 30th birthday is actually seven days from today so it's oh wow it's, it's like 29 was like hey i'm gonna come and slap you around for a little bit and i'm like hey okay. hey <laughs> stop it <laughs> and you know some days when i'm finally i'm not getting slapped i'm like oh i totally enjoy that i'm getting slapped and then it starts slapping I'm like, mm-hmm. stop. but it's it's such a beautiful journey it has been really wonderful but i think that statement you made it hit me so hard because mm. i think whether we realize it or not, we are always, we sometimes feel, and I'll speak for myself first, think that being the better version of yourself, it takes a lot of forgiving and a Mm -hmm. lot of like, okay, I got to do this. I got to be better. Okay. Be better. Okay. Be better. Okay. You're almost at the better. And you're like, what is that? (laughs) Like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. And so I asked that question to almost every guest and that was the first time I've heard it in that way. And I still think it validates every other answer, but there's just something about saying that it's not just about the forgiveness part. Forgiveness is rooted in a lot more than just the word, you know, forgiveness. It's a lot deeper. So I just, I really appreciate that answer and that response and that, that that's your reality because I, really want to make that my reality. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And like I I said, these are, these get to be our work in progress kind of statements about our life too. But I really being a therapist has been so transformational because even the person that we say is doing the thing that is most in need of forgiveness, like the people come in, I mean, there's some people who I work with who are like, I just want to love myself more. And then there's some people who come in, they're like, my behavior is hurting other people and it's a problem and Mm. are, are facing the consequences of that. Every single person that I sit across from, when you really get to hear their story, you see underneath it, a person who wasn't seen, who wasn't attended to, who had to become something to get away from their pain. And we all just have different ways of doing that kind of becoming to get away from our pain. And so I, and I've said it publicly in many places before, my philosophy of therapy is that the journey is not about becoming, it's about unbecoming. It's about unbecoming all of the things that we thought we had to be, to be loved and seeing that underneath all of that becoming that we did is someone who is good, who is loved, who is lovable. And it is my, it's both my conviction and my belief and my experience that when we are connected to that, that sense of being loved and lovable, we behave in ways that reflect that. It's when we are disconnected from our worth that we are trying to do the earning and the coping and the managing and the, and the behaving and the hurting just to try to manage the pain we've been caused. And in doing that, we transmit the pain to other people and then they're hurt and then they're trying to manage their hurt and they're passing it on, not knowing it. And it becomes this chain reaction when we stop and we ask ourselves, who have I had to become in order to be loved? 
but what would it be like to unbecome that and connect to the sense that I've always been loved yeah. and just that there was some hurt that didn't get held in the right way. And when we do that, we can show up for other people. We can love them in a way that, ref that reflects that we too know that we are loved. Wow. That is, I want that for every single one of oh, them. Me too. I want, I want it so, so bad. Deep, but I'm like, are we going there? Like, is that yeah. what these can't get? Because I, I, oh. I wrote this question and it's an unfair question. I'm just going to say it's unfair because okay. I don't know if any of us know how to truly answer it. But I said, do you really believe that in a society that constantly distracts us from ourselves, that that's mm -hmm. their job, this society, whatever that mm -hmm. is, is, that's their job to distract us from finding this love that you're talking about mm -hmm. and, and giving it to others. Can we ever do that? Like, are we going to be able to do it? It still goes back to me saying, like, as we are now in this moment of pursuing that individually, you've also mentioned that we're not really individual. So if we don't eventually go outside and do this together, like, what's the, so I'm just like, are we ever going to get to do this? Like, will social media ever be a place that we, will it be something else for us in five years, 10 years? Will, mm. will the way we interact with worthiness be different? Will the way our bosses interact with their employees be different? Will there be the shame, you know, somebody's on the board and they did great this week and somebody did bad this week. Like, is that going to go? Right. Are we going to let that go away? Mm. These are all the parts that are keeping, making it harder to do it together, in my opinion, because I think we, I think we're begging and we're trying to do it individually. But when we go back outside and realize like, oh, you still want me to mark on the board. Like, it's weird. I don't know. For yes. me, that's the part that I struggle with. Like I... And I, I want us to get to this place yes. so badly. It sounds your, wonderful. <laughs> your longing is so holy. Like, I don't have the answer, but I'm joining you in the like, is this working? Will we get there? And I, I wonder if hope and the continuing on and the transforming of ourselves is the only way that we can keep mm. heading in that direction. But yeah. your longing, oh my gosh, just feels like it's feels both prophetic and like a lamentation, like it is mm -hmm. the grieving, the societal grieving that you are putting words to and the voice of truth speaking out. And it just, gosh, it just reminds me of some um, a Sufi parable that I've heard. Mm -hmm. um, so the dervish is like the faithful, the faithful disciple, the, the dervish, this is the parable of the dervish. Uh, He's sitting, this is as I've heard it, so I'm, I'm hoping that I get it correct in this. He's sitting under the tree and he's crying out to God. God, are you there? Are you listening? Are you there? Are you coming? Are you there? Crying out, crying out, crying out. And finally gets exasperated. And God pipes up from within the dervish and says, who do you think was inviting you to cry out? Like, who do you think was doing the crying out? for more of the holy in the world. Like that can only be the holy. And so when you are saying that, like, ah, oh, yeah, you're, you're the mix of despair and longing and ex- Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Existential you know, angst and the beauty and the truth in that, I'm thinking, you're asking the right question. And I don't know the answer, but I don't know if we need it, except to keep asking that question and to connect with the thing in you that is saying there's something that is off about this. And we need to be in better connection with ourselves and each other. It's been, it's been a true journey of that, you know, mm. I'm watching us and I, the things I see and pay attention to whether it's social or in, in person, they're just different, right? Like I, I don't mm -hmm. hear when someone says like, I hate that you didn't call me. I hear, I miss you a lot. Yes, and, yes. You know, like we're getting to the point that it's like, guys, we gotta, we gotta start hearing each other differently, mm -hmm. differently talking a, a little differently. And it's not better or worse. It's, it's like, it's just to the point of like where the connection gets to be true and where mm -hmm. we are really seen and really heard and, so I know it's an unfair question. I asked him like, maybe she knows. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. no, so I just love the question. That's all I have to say. I love it. I, I love that you also brought up that your experience as a therapist has been transformational. And I love to ask, you know, what is the biggest scary part 
and, and you're in therapy as well. Oh, always. Yeah. I'm never, I always say to people like, I will never sell you a medicine. I won't take, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Exactly. 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 So someone who sits in the chair and does a lot more of the listening, what's the biggest fear when you're doing the talking for you? What's the biggest fear when I'm doing the talking? Right. When it's, when it's kind of you on the other end, is there something that, I mean, you know, the process, at least from a standpoint. So as a student, Is there parts that you're like, Ooh, okay, I know I still work on this. I still, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm working on stuff constantly and I, I both know that I'm okay where I am and hope to keep going at the same time. It's both, it's both end. But I think maybe the biggest fear, and I don't really think about it as a fear, but I want to be understood. I think all of us want to be understood. Am I, I have this role as a therapist and as someone who does a lot of public work where I am very visible, but I'm very unseen in my inner experience. Mm. Um, I am, I am known, but very unknown at the same time. And so if you think even about coming into therapy and seeing your therapist and, and what it's like to spend so much time with a person in all of these intimate moments, but not actually know anything about their life that's the kind of paradox that I'm naming. There is something about the roles that I have where I'm in a lot of things with people in important moments, but, but I haven't always had that same kind of attention directed back towards my inner world. So I think, I think what I find challenging is like to do the work that I do, the parts of myself have to get tucked so far away to be protected when I'm engaging in public work so that people who don't know me don't have access to my inner worth story. Like that's just not something that they're allowed to have because I'm an object to them. Mm-hmm. But to unpack all of that and bring it out to another person feels sometimes laborious. And, and I want to do it well because I want to be seen and understood in those moments where I do let people into my inner world. And I am so lucky. I just feel like I feel the most loved because I have some of my friends. In fact, most of the people who are close to me are, have either done a ton of therapy or are therapists mm-hmm. or in the helping professions right. and they listen well and really love me well and can help me sift and sort and slice through what's happening in the public realm in a way that, you know, if I second guess myself or I wonder like, is that, is that feedback that I really need to hear? Or is that someone just being like angry about something? Mm-hmm. And they're telling me about their pain and not necessarily something I need to do differently. I have the people I can do that with, but I do find that it takes me, it takes me time and energy to, to let people in and see me in that way. And I, it feels important to me that I'm understood and not misunderstood when I let people in. Right. But it well, doesn't feel scary. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's mm-hmm. such a, a real, a real, real human need for all of us. Yeah. And oh, yeah. You know, you know it, you reflect it. You also know when it's happening, when it's not, and you're, you're intentional about going to the listeners that have the right to walk you through that is so, oh, mm-hmm. it's very much, thank, it's a practice what you preach moment. I was like, oh, that's yes. good. Like, thank yeah. you that we're all doing that. And I hope you don't mind me asking because mm. it's human, human, and I deeply care about anyone, not only who comes on the show, but just where this show goes and who it affects. Mm-hmm. So what is something we don't know about Hillary or that you would love to share with us that I haven't mm-hmm. asked? Oh, what a, what a generous question, Stacey. I just feel so, so cared for in you asking that. Um, what are, what is something people don't, well, I talk about this a little bit every once in a while, but I'm, I'm in constant pain. Mm-hmm. Um, basically every moment of the day, I carry so much pain in my body. Mm-hmm. And what I have done intentionally is reorient my life to both be aware of that and sensitive to it, but not have that be the defining feature of how I see myself and the story that I tell about my body. So I actually work really hard to notice what pleasure feels like and mm-hmm. to notice what rest feels like and to have those moments and create them and savor them. So that pain doesn't become like it's so easy. It's meant to get your attention because your body thinks you're hurt, even though from my state, the injuries have, have mostly been healed. It's this kind of this chronic loop that gets activated in your neurophysiological system. But for me to be able to say, oh, that's meant to get my attention, but I can train my attention to both notice it and be kind to it and 
widen my scope and my view to feel pleasure in my body in the same moment. Like I'm wearing these really fuzzy socks right now. Yes. These are so good on my feet. And I'm like, that counts. That matters. <laughs> this yeah. is like for my mental health, I need the fuzzy socks. <laughs> so I think what, what people don't know is how much pain I'm in mm -hmm. because I've decided to not let that be the most important thing about me. Right. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. I'm, I'm sitting with you on that. Mm, thank you. I'm sitting with you on that because that's, it's, it's not easy to train your mind in that way. And mm -hmm. really like that experience of being parsonance and, and feeling that pain daily. Um, I relate in a really, more than you know, I actually got in car mm -hmm. college. So, um, and it, it's carried me for a while and it's, it's, I've seen it come up in just very interesting relationships. Like it is also something I do chronically, but it's funny cause it'll be like, let's go wear heels. I'm like, y'all know I got the, you know, the girls just start stopping. And it's like, it's not that it's, it's really the beautiful yeah. part that you, <laughs> that you've trained your mind to not let that be the focus part. And so I'm just, I'm grateful for your focus and what you've chose to focus on because we get to see this beautiful light while still recognizing the parts of you that that does have to deal with pain and, and still honoring that because it's still all yeah. embodiment process so yeah i just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing that and the the very um mystical thing about pain is when we allow it 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 is an invitation into empathy. It's like, mm -hmm. you can understand my experience because you have lived that. And I'm so sorry you have, but I also feel close to you in knowing that we've shared something. And there is, mm -hmm. um, that's when we let it, I think that's what the magic of pain is, is that it lets us love and see other people better. Isn't that crazy? Mm. A whole new relationship with pain. I'm like, whoa, why are you like actually kind of showing me love like it's weird yeah. I just, you know, like it's it's a weird thing that's so great that you like said that because I've been thinking and I, I didn't know how to I put the words behind it that's mm. interesting um I don't want to take up too much time I know mm. we are at the end of our interview and in our space together but mm. I just wanted to ask if we can leave with a practice we all can work on or mm. work within Cause sometimes the whole working on, I'm like, these are more phrases. Yes. Yes. I'm trying not to do all that. Yeah. First thing is a no for me. So work within, grow, evolve within, um, a new practice of engaging with worthiness that doesn't going back to the very beginning that doesn't, you know, highlight or trigger these, these anxious and traumatic mm. and non coping things that have been presented and given to us and normalized for so long. Mm -hmm. What's another practice? What's a practice? Yeah. Sure. Well, embody. So yeah. A, f a few. Um, notice, just noticing and honoring your hunger is so important. Um, and your fatigue, right? If you're tired, giving yourself a rest. I would say putting your hands somewhere on your body and just saying thank you to yourself who carries you through. And then one of my personal favorite right now is if you can find a picture of your child self staring at that picture and wishing them well and saying that they are worthy and seeing them and seeing their goodness. And then at some point, maybe in the future saying like, Oh yeah, that's me. Like that, that kid grew up to be me. And so if they're worthy, then I am too. I love that. I it's love so good. that. It's so my good. screensaver is my eight-year-old self right now. Yes. I, oh I literally put her on that. I said, I, I was like, look at this girl. She's so oh. Oh yeah! My dad was like, "You're still cute." I said, "Uh huh." We're talking about her. She oh, is. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I "Come on, girl. look at how she dresses. She's so cool." Oh, I love oh, that. Yeah, we got to do that. That I'm. Maybe I should even go to my eight, my six year old self now. I love. Oof. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Awesome. Great. Thank you for being a guest, Hillary. What a pleasure this was. Oh my goodness. I love your, your, your thoughtfulness and your presence and humanness. I mean, you do so well what you say you set out to do. And it's just such, such an honor to be on this, on this call with you. Ooh, that really means a lot. Because mm. I just, I really want us. I want us. I, I believe in us a lot. And I've started mm. to realize that's actually the whole thing that I, I'm personally here for. And I think we're all here for. We are here for us. So the more we can do that, the more conversations lead us back to ourselves and to be better to each other. I, I want to be there. So thank you for yes. saying that. It really means a lot. And for being here and contributing and being like totally 
just so real just so oh. real. yeah my pleasure I could fan on you all day. Okay, girl. Oh my goodness. Well, I just, if I'm having a rough moment, I might be like, oh, call me, girl. I'm ready. Say that again. I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Oh, thank you guys so much for watching this wonderful episode. Please share it with a friend. Make sure that you allow yourself, and please, um, we're giving you the freedom to allow yourself to, to indulge in these practices of. Mm your worthiness and yourself and and our self-love is deep and is hard and crazy as it is that's what our, that's our birthright as she said so so thank you guys for joining us we'll see you soon thanks for listening to the human human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with hillary did y'all hear that because if you did and you enjoyed it please subscribe rate leave a review and while you're at it share this episode with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share it your feedback is appreciated and your thoughts are valued. Stay connected between episodes at stacyag.com slash human human, where I'll be answering this episode's reflection question. Remember, it's a doozy. It's about loving ourselves more, which somehow we keep forgetting to do. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at one take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike. And remember, we are not what we do. I hope after hearing this conversation, we really, really let that sink in. We are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So... Let's be curious. Let's be in community. Be love. Continue to be support, not only for others, but definitely for ourselves. And be real together. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.